He is one of the most distinguished-looking men I ever saw. He talks very little, said Celia. There is no one for him to talk to. Celia thought privately, Dorothea quite despises Sir James Chetham. I believe she would not accept him. Celia felt this was a pity. She had never been deceived as to the object of the baronet's interest. Mr. Casabon stayed a little longer than he had intended, on a slight pressure of invitation from Mr. Brooke. Was his endurance aided also by the reflection that Mr. Brooke was the uncle of Dorothea? Certainly he seemed more and more bent on making her talk to him, on drawing her out, as Celia remarked to herself, and in looking at her his face was often lit up by a smile like pale, wintry sunshine. Before he left the next morning, while taking a pleasant walk with Miss Brooke along the gravel terrace, he had mentioned to her that he felt the disadvantage of loneliness, the need of that cheerful companionship with which the presence of youth can lighten or vary the serious toils of maturity. Thus it now entered Dorothea's mind that Mr. Casabon might wish to make her his wife, and the idea that he would do so touched her with a sort of reverential gratitude. I should learn everything then, she said to herself. There would be nothing trivial about our lives. Everyday things with us would mean the greatest things. It would be like marrying Pascal. It was not many days before Mr. Casabon paid a morning visit, on which he was invited again for the following week to dine and stay the night. Thus Dorothea had three more conversations with him, and was convinced that her first impressions had been just. He was all she had at first imagined him to be, and she immediately busied herself in getting down learned books from the library and reading many things hastily, that she might be a little less ignorant in talking to Mr. Casabon. Some days later, Mr. Brooke made a journey to the county town about a petition for the pardon of some criminal. Returning, Mr. Brooke sat down in his armchair, stretched his legs towards the wood fire, looking very mildly towards Dorothea, but with a neutral, leisurely air, as if he had nothing particular to say. I came back by Loic, you know. I lunched there and saw Casabon's library and that kind of thing. The man mopes, you know. He wants a companion, a, a companion, you know. It would be a great honour to anyone to be his companion, said Dorothea energetically. You'll like him, eh? said Mr. Brooke. Well, now, I've known Casabon ten years, ever since he came to Lowick. He's a tip-top man, and he may be a bishop, that kind of thing, you know. He's a very high opinion of you, my dear. Dorothea could not speak. The long and the short of it is that he's asked my permission to make you an offer of marriage. Marriage, you know, said Mr. Brooke, with his explanatory nod. Man, I thought it better to tell you, my dear. Thank you, uncle, said Dorothea. I am very grateful to Mr. Casabon. If he makes me an offer, I shall accept him. I admire and honour him more than any man I ever saw. Ah, well, he is a good match in some respects, but now Chetham is a good match, and our land lies together. I wish you to marry well and have good reason to believe that Chetham wishes to marry you. I mention it, you know.
"'It is impossible that I should ever marry Sir James Chatham,' said Dorothea. "'If he thinks of marrying me, he has made a great mistake.' Mr. Brooke repeated his subdued, "'Mah,' and then continued, "'You have quite made up your mind, I see. "'Well, my dear, the fact is I have a letter for you in my pocket.' Mr. Brooke handed the letter to Dorothea, but as she rose to go away, he added, "'There is not too much hurry, my dear. "'Think about it, you know.' This was Mr. Casbon's letter. My dear Miss Brooke, I have your guardian's permission to address you on a subject than which I have none more at heart. To be accepted by you as your husband and the earthly guardian of your welfare, I should regard as the highest of providential gifts.